Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Welcome to everyone tonight. If you're a guest in our service tonight, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. We're glad to have you. If you're watching by way of the internet tonight, wherever you may be, wherever you're watching from, we pray that you are blessed by this service tonight as well. And uh, Bishop and Mother Wright have been in Nova Scotia this past week for uh, their camp meeting, and uh, so they are returning uh, tomorrow, actually, and so that's where they are all as well. And I know they're not here, and I don't think they're able to be watching right now, but in spite of that, we give honor to them tonight. Praise God. Amen. I want to read one verse of Scripture to you tonight as we get started. I've, I've said this numerous times now. I don't know, really, that you should have a favorite verse. Because all Scripture is important. And... and um, even though I don't know if you should, I do, and most of you do, too. And my favorite is Job chapter 42 and 5. I think it is. Job says, I heard about you with the ears, and now I've seen you with my eyes. But another one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is this verse, and it's Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse number 8. Jeremiah 29 and verse number 8. The word of the Lord says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. I know what I think about you. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil. And I just said it somewhere recently, and maybe it was Severn, I forget where, but this may not be accurate, but usually when I think of this verse, I kind of think of one of you wonderful sisters with a hand on your hip and kind of waggling that head. I just kind of imagine the Lord saying, don't tell me what I think about you. Meaning, most of the time, what we think He thinks about us is usually not very good. And so He says, I know what I think about you, and it's thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you, to give you an expected end. The Amplified says it this way, I know th the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. To give you hope in your final outcome. I want to preach to you tonight for a little bit on this subject. An unexpected route to an expected end. An unexpected route to an expected end. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you've already done in this place tonight. God, you have already ministered and touched hearts and lives and 
We're not even aware of everything you've already done in this place, but I know you've already done some important things, and I thank you for that. And I also believe, God, that you're here tonight to speak to somebody's heart, and that through your word you intend to continue to minister in this service. So I pray right now, Father, that your spirit would speak to us tonight, God. We are not here for a sermon tonight, but we are here to hear what you would desire to say to us, a fresh and a living word. I trust you and depend upon you tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I know the thoughts that I think to give you an expected end. Several years ago now, if I'm not mistaken, Brother Middleton, the first time that I came and preached at Severn, I had not fully stepped out of Arnold yet. I think, if I remember correctly, you had just simply invited me to come preach. And so I was going to Severn to preach, and my family was all doing something here at Arnold. And so I, I dropped them off, and, and I had talked to Brother Middleton about the, the, the directions, and he had given me the directions, and they sounded very simple and straightforward. And so I, I was pulling out of the parking lot, and, and, and I'm one of those... Uh, people that that the the um, the 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 range deal on your car is not a good thing because I would be better off without an estimated number of miles to empty and just watch the gauge because I trust the numbers to the point that I I, I usually don't fill up until my car gives me that. 50 mile or less indicator and then I start thinking about a place to to get some fuel and so that's probably not the best way to do it and there's a few times that I've ended up in a jam not running out of gas but I needed to get someplace in a hurry and if I'd have gotten gas when I should have I would have been okay but I didn't and so that morning I, I pulled I was pulling out of the parking lot and I noticed I noticed my gas gauge and I noticed the miles I had to go and it was enough to get me to Severn. But as I looked at it, I thought, you know, it's enough to get me there, assuming all goes well. I've got enough fuel that I need to get there. And so I, I'm driving out of the parking lot, I'm driving down the hill, and I'm going back and forth in my mind. I think I was already kind of a little bit behind time. And so I'm debating back and forth, do I just go, I got enough to get there, or do I take a moment and stop? So actually, one of the rare moments in my life where a situation like that, I opted for the safe side. I pulled in to the gas station in Arnold, and I got some fuel, and I started back on my journey and I went up Route 2 and I got on 100 and I was, I crossed over 97 and that's where things started getting fuzzy. I think he told me the next exit, but I'm not sure. And I took that exit and I got off and I needed to take a left and I took a left. But I just wasn't sure about where I was. I think this is right, but I'm not sure if it's actually right or not. And, and so I came up to the intersection of Telegraph, I think that's Telegraph Road, and what's the crossroad there? Reese? I came to the, I came to the, to the light, and, 
and, and, and what I did not know was just a few hundred feet to my right was where I needed to go. But I, I, I was just, I, I was off, and so I, I think I turned around and went back to nine, toward a hundred, and, 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 and I, I'm, I'm going, I don't remember if I finally called somebody or what. I, I did finally end up making it and was quite frustrated to find out how close I was at one point to the destination. You see, what I was fortunate for that day was I didn't think I would need the extra to get me there. I thought I had enough to get there, but I was fortunate enough to pause for a moment and get a little extra. Can I tell somebody tonight, you never know when God might be giving you a little bit extra because everything looks like it's okay and in order, but He knows you actually don't have enough in the tank right now. And so He's given you a little bit more to make sure you can complete the journey. Because I've come to the conclusion the journey never never goes the way I anticipate. The circumstances and events of my life never go as planned. And I've come to preach to some folks tonight that you need to stop being so uncertain because the route hasn't gone the way you have anticipated or expected. The promise isn't about the route you're going to take. The promise is that there is an expected end, that the journey may be unexpected and what happens along the path that, 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 that I'm going on may be unexpected, but if somehow I can understand that no matter what the day today may be, I've been given an expected end. And if I can just keep taking one step after the other and not give up and not quit and not throw in the towel, it may not be going the way I hope or want, but I've got an expected end. Am I preaching? Does anybody tonight that would acknowledge it's gone a lot of times contrary to what you expect? expected or what you hope for how many of us at the very least have gotten frustrated and discouraged and at the worst some of us have contemplated giving up and quitting because this just isn't going the way I thought it was going to go but I've come to tell somebody tonight there is an expected outcome that God has for you. Sister Gross, I kind of doubt your journey is going the way you anticipated it would be going at this point in time. But I got to tell you tonight, Sister Gross, there is an expected end. The journey may be unexpected, but there is an expected end. Mr. Richards, I see you nodding back there. If anybody tonight could identify with a journey that hasn't gone the way you would have anticipated, the loss of a husband, the death of children, it would, I'm sure, be you. And yet, can I tell you tonight, Sister Richards, I think part of the reason you're still here is because even though the journey hasn't gone the way you would have liked, something down deep inside says it's not over yet. And when I get to the end... God has an outcome, and it's a good outcome. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 8 says this, By faith Abraham, 
when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed and he went out not knowing where he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. And the reason he did this is because he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I don't know exactly where I'm going, and I don't know I know exactly how to get there, but what I know is out there somewhere. There is a place that God has prepared. There is an outcome that God has for me. It's not an unexpected outcome, but it is an expected end. Hebrews chapter number 12, the scripture says it like this. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the what? The author. The author. Now, the author to us today means the writer of a book. And I have preached at times and used that as the application, and I think that's okay, but that's not the actual word here. The actual word for author is the originator. He is the originator. He is the starter, and not only is he the starter, but he is also the finisher. Because he which hath begun a good work in you is going to bring it to completion. Any, anybody tonight got any unfinished projects around the house? Anybody got those things you started and... There's, there's folks with the personality type. They are great starters. They, they're adrenaline junkies on starting a project. But, but once they get it started and they get over the high of starting it, you need somebody else that's a plotter to come along and finish it. I think some of us think that Jesus is a great starter. He knows how to start it. But I think some of us think he's a lot like a lot of us and he starts it, but then he leaves it. Can I tell you tonight, the only thing God started that gets unfinished is what you take control of and won't let him have. Because if he started it and you keep your hands off of it, he has absolutely guaranteed, I started it and I'm going to finish it. Look for a city. There is no way that when Joseph told his brothers his dream, he anticipated the journey. There is no way that when Joseph shared those dreams he had that he imagined a pit and he imagined a prison and he imagined accusation and all. There is no way that's what he anticipated. I am convinced that when David was anointed to be king, there is no way he anticipated what was to come. I just, I, I, I don't... I, You've heard me say it, but I don't, I'm assuming I'm not the only one. When I read these stories in scriptures, I, I like to get in the story. 
I like to imagine what it was going on. What, and, and I like to put myself there. And so here's what I do when it comes to David. He gets called in from taking care of the sheep and Samuel's standing there and, and the Lord confirms to Samuel that this is one, this is the one. And so Samuel takes out that oil and begins to pour it on the head of David. And, and, and if I was David, my mind would have immediately been going crazy. This is the day. I am being anointed king. No more tending sheep. No more being picked on by my brothers. No more being the the, the low guy on the totem pole. It's all changing today. And uh, I'm probably about to get a new house today. I'm probably about to leave this behind and I'm I'm probably about to get some new clothes and some servants and all this great stuff. Have you ever noticed that when God gives the anointing or gives the dream, he usually doesn't tell you the process? Because if he did, what would we do? No, thank you. If Samuel would have said to David, now, you are God's choice to be king, and I'm about to anoint you, but let me tell you what's going to happen after this. The king is eventually going to turn against you, and and not only is he going to try to kill you himself, then he's going to get his entire army after you, and you're going to have to go hide out in caves, and you're going to have to go make alliances with the enemy, and, and you're going to have to struggle just to survive, but... Take take my brother. (laughs) Take the eldest. Leave me alone. And yet what God does is He gives us the anointing or He gives us the dream. We get the call and He doesn't tell us about the journey. And it is always different than we expect and we hope. Can I tell you tonight, somehow we got to get past the uh, the unexpectedness of the journey and get our hearts set on the fact there is an expected outcome to all of this. And it may not look good today. It may not seem well today, but before it's over with, I've used it before, forgive me for using it again, the University of Maryland has the greatest comeback in college football history. How many points, remember how many points were it? I forget how many points. It was a lot. And can you imagine what it was like, what it would have been like to be there that day as a Maryland fan? And how frustrating that game would have been for a long part of that game. And I know, I'm sure, in fact, Brother Alan McGuckian, if I remember correctly, was one of them that was at the game, but missed the comeback. Because it did not look good. It looked like it was really bad and going to stay bad. But somehow, they came back and they won. And Whether it's that game or any other game, if you sit and watch the recording of a game that you know the outcome of already, 
and you get nervous and worried about the game, something's wrong with you. If your team is the team that won, and you sit there and they start losing and you start getting mad and upset, you've got a problem. Because when you know the outcome, and you're watching what's already finished, all you do is watch what happened to get them to the end. And when they fall behind, rather than that being a point of stress, you, you, you look at that and you say, wow, look at the odds they had to overcome. Look at the opposition they had to work through. But there is no worry, there's no anxiety because you know the outcome. When we get all nervous and worried about today and what we're going through, what we acknowledge is, I'm not so certain I believe what the Word of God says. Because it says that everything works together for good. It says what He started, He would finish. It says that when it's all over with, it's all going to work out all right. And so what my job to do from day to day is just see how it all plays out. But I've got an expected in. You and I know that God intended for Naomi to play a part in the lineage of Jesus Christ. But what Naomi didn't know was how that was going to happen. Famine hits Bethlehem and she decides her family her husband and her sons, they decide to leave and they go to Moab and they get down to Moab and in Moab her husband and her sons die and now she's left there with two daughters-in-law and she says to them, I'm going back home. You can stay with, stay here. This is your people. The Bible tells us that Ruth responds to Naomi and says, wherever you go, that's where I'm going to go. And notice when Naomi returns back home and people begin to call her name. She replies and says, don't call me Naomi anymore. You call me Mara because God hath dealt bitterly with me. You see, she was on a part of an unexpected journey. And all she could see was today and what was going on. What she didn't realize was that before it was over with, God was going to do some things that was going to cause her to be a part of the birth of Jesus Christ down the line. I wonder if we got any Naomi's here tonight that you've gone out and you've come back in and God has dealt with you bitterly and you're looking for a name change. And yet in the plan and in the purpose of God, the story is not over yet. And when God gets done what you lost, God's going to give back. And all of those unexpected things along the way are just leading you to the expected outcome that God has. I know, I know, I know what I think about you. I know where I'm taking you. I know what I've got for you. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm going to do. I just need you to stay in the journey. I just need you to stay on the route that I am dictating for you. Because if you'll do that, I've got some stuff 
that I'm bringing you to. I've, I've got some things that I've had planned for you. Notice what the scripture says. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man the things that God has, past tense, prepared. That means when you get to what God has for you and God gives you what He has, He didn't just start today. I just I, I saw a little video clip of a preacher this morning on on uh, on, on Facebook and, and and he he was he had a little blue envelope that he said he's had for twenty five years I think and he told the story and the story was that they had just gone to start a church and they didn't have a lot of money and and his wife had had bumped into a bicycle or something and 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 they messed she messed up the t- car tire and. I mean, they didn't even have the money to be able to take care of that. And, and it was New Year's Eve, and they came to New Year's Eve service. And a lady in the church came up and said, I, 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 my daughter or somebody, a relative, wanted me to give this to you. And he opens up the card, and in that card it says that God's been dealing with us for a while to give you some money to help you out. And we finally decided to listen. See, God knew that on such and such a date there would be a need. And so prior to that, he already set some things in motion so that at the right point in time, what needed to happen for the provision of your need would all come together at the right place and the right time. I know some of you are going through some stuff tonight and you've got no idea how it's going to work out, when it's going to work out, the way it's finally going to work out. But can I tell you tonight, while you're going through it, God has already started the process and He's bringing it all together. So at some point in time, your need is going to meet God provision so just stay on the journey can I tell you just for a moment about the expected end that we have I've been telling you about it individually but let's look a little bit at what the expected end that we have we can find part of it in Joel chapter 2 and verse number 28 and it shall come to pass afterward that I will that I will Pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. In those days will I pour out my spirit. I don't know about you, but I'm on an unexpected journey in this world. There's a whole lot of stuff I never anticipated, never thought I would live to see it come to pass or happen. But at the same time, what I know is we've got an expected end. And it doesn't matter how bad it gets and it doesn't matter what it looks like. In the last days, there will be an outpouring of the power and the spirit and the glory of God. Not just in a church, not just in a country, but around the world. He said, I'm going to pour it out upon all. All flesh. Haggai chapter 2 and verse number 6. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations. And the desire of all nations shall come, 
And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the glory is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. And the glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. I know it's not expected right now, but we've got an expected end in which he says the end of it's going to be greater than the beginning of it. I am, for better or worse, a Baltimore Orioles baseball fan. A week and a half ago, I was a very excited Baltimore Orioles baseball fan because I thought they had turned it around. They went on a good streak, and they were in first place, and I thought, here we go again. Get my T-shirt out, get my hat out, let me start showing my... Next thing I know, they're starting to go the opposite way again. I don't know, and I, there, there's not an expected end for that because that's temporal and that's, there is a hoped for end, but there's not an expected end. Who knows what may happen or may not happen? But aren't you glad with what really matters? Which, what, what, with what is really significant and important. It's not like the Orioles or any other sports team. It's not like the economy. It's not like a political party. It's not like any of those other things. There is a predetermined outcome that God has said is going to happen. Galatians 3 and 8 says, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel under Abraham, saying, In thee shall all... All. This isn't an American thing. This isn't a North American thing. This isn't a European thing. It's not an African or a South American or an Asian thing. But God promised a long time ago, it's going to be something that happens on all flesh, all over the world, every tongue, every nation, every kindred. There's going to be something that's going to happen in such a significant way that all of them are going to be touched and blessed. Somebody tonight, can we get our eyes off of what's going on to Today, can we stop looking at all the ups and the downs in the news and in the economy and in sickness and all that stuff and get our eyes set that there is an expected outcome. The Bible says in Hebrews, they believed in the promise and they embraced it and they forgot about what was behind and they got their eyes on what was ahead. And even though some of them died and never saw it, they did not die questioning. They died believing. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. We are not living in the last days of a hobbling law, a long church. We are not a part of something that's been on its way down is going to keep going down. We are not a part of something that's already had its heyday. 
I preach to you young people tonight. I know there's new stuff popping up here and there that you can embrace and get a part of. But can I tell you something? There's something that's been around for thousands of years now. And it's not going anywhere. And it's not going down. But it's eventually going up literally and figuratively. It's going to be a glorious church. It may not be that exactly right now. That may not be the way we see it all the time right now. But it will be a glorious church because that is the expected end. God is not sitting up in heaven and looking down on us tonight, wringing his hands together, wondering what's going to happen and if it's ever going to come to pass. But God, before he ever said it, knew that as certainly as he said it, it would happen. Oh, no, if I preach beyond your, your whatever to receive. I know it don't look good right now. I know there's a lot of things we can look at that are discouraging and depressing and frustrating. And, and, and you know, it'd be nice. Let's go, let's go build us a compound someplace in the mountains and get away from all this and just, just enjoy each other's fellowship and enjoy Jesus until Jesus comes. But that's not what we were called to do. And that's not what we are here for. And that's not what we're going to do because there is an expected end and God is looking for some people that are going to be a part of the expected end. Jesus tells a story and he says, when the Son of Man comes. Not if, but when. We typically use that passage of Scripture and we talk about the second coming with it and when the rapture takes place, will there be faith? But that's that's not the specific context of it. The specific context is God is going to show up and do something. And so when God shows up to do something, is there still going to be people believing? Brother Bishop, we've heard for 40 plus years now, black dot on a white sheet, bright star on a dark night, people coming and people going, and it doesn't always look like that, but that's what the expected outcome is for us. Our best days are not in the 70s and the 80s. Our best days are yet to come because we've got an expected end that God has told us was going to be our end. I had no intention of sharing this tonight. I went to... The Hispanic congregation this morning, they've been the Pip Moyer, is that what it's called? The Pip Moyer Recreation Center or whatever for, for three years now. If you don't know where the Pip Moyer Recreation Center is, it is literally a stone's throw from each other. I said it this morning, where I was standing and preaching, give me the right size rock and I could hit it. And they have battled for three years. They show up some mornings and they put them in a different room. They show up other mornings, they don't even give them a room. It's been a frustrating battle week after week for them. And Brother Phil is discussed with leadership and asked for guidance and direction. Should we keep going? Should we? What should we do? Come back to the chapel here at Arnold. 
I was preaching there this morning and as of about I guess 7.30, 8 a.m., I had no idea yet what I was preaching. (laughs) And I was in that half-sleep and half-awake state. And all of a sudden, out of seemingly nowhere, the passage of Scripture popped into my spirit where Isaac was in Gerar, which is where his father Abraham had dug wells. And the interesting, one of the interesting things is in that story is at Gerar, Isaac did the same thing Abraham did. Both of them told the king their wives was their sister. Same, not just did the same thing, but did it at the same place. And the Bible says, and, and Gerar, listen folks, listen, I, I know we, we kind of, we're, you know, we're natural minded people, we're spiritual, but we're not, but I, I think there's a lot of things we miss. Gerar, if I understand in my reading correctly, is also the same place where Sarah finally conceived Isaac. And so at Gerar, she has Isaac. At Gerar, Abraham had dug some wells. And now Isaac comes back to Gerar as a man with a wife and kids and discovers the wells that his father had dug. But they have been filled with dirt. And rather than just leaving them the way they were, the Bible says that he and his servants dug again the wells that were there. It was a lot safer doing this this morning with no recording and no streaming, but here we are. I felt in the Holy Ghost this morning that right next door to that Pip Moyer Center is a place where there used to be a pretty deep well. And in the late 70s, at that well, was one of the greatest harvests this church has ever seen. Now you tell me, if you dug some wells there and the enemy now took it back over from you, would you want him coming back and re-digging what was there before? I come to tell some of you others tonight. You got some wells that have been filled with earth. Don't give up on the well. Just because the well got filled, that doesn't mean it doesn't still have an expected end. That doesn't mean it no longer has the same outcome that it had before. The interesting thing is the Bible says when they dug it, they found uh, they found a well of springing water. If you look at the Hebrew there, in fact, in the, in the margin of the Bible, do you know what the translation is? Living water. If Isaac would have given up on that old well and gone and tried to just find a new well or find somebody else's well, he would have missed some living water. 
I just believe that the day Abraham dug that well, God knew at some point it's going to get filled back in. But the expected outcome of this well is there will be a day when it gets dug again. Can I tell you tonight, I know the devil's thrown some junk in the well of Antioch along the way. And I know he's tried to fill it in and cover it up. But I've come to tell you tonight, the same well that has flowed with living water in the 70s and the 80s is the same well that's going to flow again and there's going to be living water and there's going to be an unlimited supply of water that we draw from that well. I say it again. I want you to, I want everybody in this place, please listen to me right now. Cause some of you, I, 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 you, you, you need to hear what I'm saying. Cause some of you are at a point right now where there's a lot of unexpected things that have been going on in your life personally. Some of you, it's things that are beyond your control, health situation, job situations that you have no control over. And some of you, it's stuff that's going on cause you made some bad choices. And some really dumb decisions. But I got good news for you tonight. Before you ever made the first stupid decision of your life. God already knew you were going to make it. And factored it in. Some of you tonight, some of you tonight, you think you are now on the will of God plan C. Some of you are just on B. Some of you, you think you're a little farther down in the alphabet. You missed plan A God had for you, and you messed that up, and then you got a chance at B, but you messed that up along the way. And now you're working on C, trying to hold out hope. You'll finally get it right tonight. I've come to tell every person in this place tonight, there is no plan B. There is no plan C. There is no plan D. Oh, well, Brother Wright, then you're telling me there's no hope. No, I'm telling you from the very beginning, God knew every mistake, every downfall, everything along the way. And all of that is factored in to God's plan. Oh, some of you don't believe me right now, but I'm going to stay right here for a few more moments. You're not somewhere down the list on what God has for you. He knew from the beginning. say it again some of you it's because of stuff beyond your control but I'm preaching to some of you tonight and out of respect for you and everybody else here I won't I won't make anything plain but some of you think it's over with and you're done and you're just you're, you're finished 
for you. There is an expected end. An expected end. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Walk into just any, about, just about any Christian bookstore and you're going to find a picture somewhere of an eagle soaring above the trees in that verse. We sing it. It's a great verse. How many of you right now, without your Bible, without your phone, without your concordance, how many of you know what the verses before that say off the top of your head? Come on, let me see your hand. Look at that. See, all of you, that's all you know. Quote that verse to me real quick. Y'all tell me, what's that verse? Say it. What's the verse? Come on. Ready? One, two. Shh. Somebody's going to mess me up. One, two, three. Say the verse. Come on. One, try one more time. One, two, three. They that wait upon the Lord. Eh, wrong answer. That's what we quote. That's what we sing. They that wait upon the Lord. We don't sing it the way the verse says it, because if we did, we'd sing it like this. But they that wait. Because the first word of the verse is, but. This is in spite of that. We just got the waiting on the Lord part, and that's so wonderful. What we don't know is why we're waiting. We are waiting because the youth shall faint, and the young men shall utterly fall. It's not some wonderful, sweet lead-in to a great course. It's failures and mistakes. But the prophet says, but. In spite of that, if you'll just wait on the Lord, He will renew your strength. Then you can mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Rejoice not Against me, oh my enemy, because when can I tell you, fine folks, tonight you need to get if out of your vocabulary when it comes to falling. There is no if you will fall, it's only when you will fall. And all of you that are arguing with me, you're going to be the one that does it by the end of the week. But rejoice not against me, oh my enemy, because when, when I fall, there's no period. That's not the end. I shall arrive. Because a righteous man falls seven times and he gets up again. Do you know that I could get down to my office by falling? All I got to do is fall forward. 
And I can get up and fall forward. And I can get up. The issue tonight is not your falling. The issue is the direction you're falling. Well, I just can't. I keep falling. So, just fall forward. You ever read what the scripture says? We are not going, I'm sorry, Chester, but we are not going into heaven doing chest bumps. We are not crossing the plain of the pearly gates high-fiving. The Bible says the righteous. The righteous are scarcely saved. So, you know what? It don't matter if you run, if you skip, if you walk, or if you crawl. Just get across the line. To the expected end. The expected end. I've come tonight, I guess perhaps for the second week in a row, to preach to individuals and to preach to the church. I've come to preach to some people individually tonight. You are on an unexpected journey for you, but God's got you on the way to an expected end. And I've come to tell this church once again tonight, there may be some unexpected things that have happened along our way. And we not we may not have expected to be where we are right now and what we're going through, but we've got an expected end that God has said is going to happen. I tell you what, I, I am I am getting I'm 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 closing. We got some cakes to go get. Hallelujah. I've worked up a sweat so I can get me a piece of something. John says this. I, I just used it Thursday night. Now are we the sons of God. And the world knoweth us not. Because it knew him not. Somehow we as apostolics have got to get over our, our, uh, our struggle with the world not knowing us. And that must mean there's something. No, 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 no. Just not time yet. I, 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 I'm trying to be careful. I, I'm trying to be, I've, I've always tried to be careful. But I, I met a gentleman, gentleman at the mall the other day and we got to talk and I invited him to church and and in the course of it, he mentioned to me that he faithfully listens to a certain individual. That Great. So, so I, I want to be careful here. I'm not trying to disrespect what anybody's doing. But I, I stood in Times Square on Friday night. I took a day trip up there. and Brother Hood's oldest kids were with us and we went up there and I stood in Times Square and there was a a religious event, Christian event taking place in time and I don't know if you've ever been to Times Square or seen pictures of it but on on one end of it there's these these risers and you can stand or sit on them and watch and and so that was part of the seating, there was a stage set up and I stood there and I listened as the speaker spoke And I felt nothing. And looking at most people there, I don't think they felt anything either. And I watched as we got 
as he got to the end, we were off down the side just kind of watching as we were sort of leaving. And he prayed the prayer and invited everybody to pray the prayer with him. Accept the Lord and nothing happened. I got a feeling there's some people that responded Friday night that today are a little bit disillusioned. Because they did what they were told to do, but don't really feel any different. I left there, it's already been working in me, thank God, but I left there with it being an, 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 an adding to the revelation and the faith and the confidence. Folks, we have something. Amen. Amen. I, I'm not... There were others that participated in whatever. I'm not sure, Brother Middleton, Brother, I'm not sure I've ever heard the feedback over a funeral. A funeral. People leaving a funeral. Talking about feeling something they never... A funeral. There's coming a point, folks, when people are going to get tired of something that doesn't have any life and power. And I got to tell you, I, some of you may beg to differ with me. That's your problem. There's nobody that manufactured what took place in this sanctuary at about 6.15. There was no hype. There was no emotional whatever. But there was something that we connected with and God moved into this place. And I just got to tell you, we've got an expected end. What you and I know as a norm and what we experience, there's a world out there that's going to get disillusioned. And when we are finally, God pulls back the cover. Read Revelation. Come, Sister Trish, please. Revelation chapter 1 says the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know what that word revelation means? Part of that word means? It means to uncover. You ever, you ever peeked through a window that had the blinds were closed that you could see just a little bit? Maybe you could see through that little bit and you got enough of a glimpse to realize there's something beautiful out there. But, but the blinds or the curtains were in the way. But then as you begin to pull on the, the rope, what happens? Revelation. There is an unveiling of what's on the other side. Just because we've been hidden doesn't mean we don't exist. Okay, yes sir, I'm obey my elders. Just because we've been hidden does not mean we don't exist. Jesus spent years on the earth in the flesh with people not realizing Messiah is here. I know. Let me tell you something, folks. I don't mean to be unkind. Some of you are just so troubled because we have such a, you know, we, we got this horrible reputation in Anne Arundel County and PG County. We're so crazy and wild. I got to tell you, most folks have no idea who we are. 
Some of y'all are letting a handful of people intimidate you because there's a handful of people that are telling crazy stories about us. Dear God, we got 500 plus thousand people just in Anne Arundel County, and there's probably a handful of that. They don't know us. And others like us. But that's not evidence against us. That's just the fact there is an unveiling. There is an unveiling that I, I, I'm not going to say is going to take place. It's already taking place. There may be just a slight crack in the curtains and you might barely be able to tell the curtains are moving. But I've come to tell you tonight, they're starting to move and there's starting to be some things that are beginning to be seen. Because wherever we've been and whatever we've gone through, it's not the end of what it's going to be. I've got an expected end. I want you to close your eyes if you would please, just for a moment. I want to open this altar some, to some individuals right now. There's some individuals in this place tonight. You're discouraged. You're frustrated. You're weary. You're on the, you're on the verge of just wanting to give up because the route you're on, the way it's going is not what you expected or planned. But God has sent me tonight to help you get your eyes off the journey and what's going on today and renew in you a confidence there is an expected end. And based on what he said, it's a good end. It's thoughts of peace, not of evil. And I invite some of you to respond to the Holy Ghost right now. To present yourself to the Lord tonight and let the Spirit of God seal in your heart again tonight the confidence that not, not just for us as a body, not just for us as a church, but for you as an individual tonight. For you as an individual I speak to every breathing person in this place right now. To you as an individual, God has an expected end for your life. In the name of Jesus, I come against every doubt. I come against every fear. I come against every spirit of unbelief that would war against the minds of your people. I come against every accusation of the enemy tonight that would say we miss the expected end because of what we have done and how we have failed. But tonight, God, that you would renew in every heart and mind in this place that's willing to receive it, new faith, new confidence in the expected end that you have for them, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. If you don't need to respond right now for yourself, if you don't need to pray right now for yourself, would you please be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, whether it's those that have come to the altar or maybe it's somebody that's sitting somewhere around you. Would you be sensitive to the Holy Ghost tonight? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that you would renew tonight in somebody's heart, in somebody's mind, the confidence that you have an expected end for them, God. The journey may be unexpected and the way things are going, the way things have gone may be unexpected, but there is an expected end to all of it, God. That's a good end. It's a good outcome. Because you've got thoughts that are good toward us. You've got thoughts of peace toward us. In the name of Jesus. 
Talabo Koho Satarabahaya Ikorobo Satarabandolobo Hoshatabahaya No matter how impossible it may look right now, God. No matter how contrary it may look right now. No matter how contrary it, my circumstances may look to a good outcome. You had promised an expected end. You had promised me an expected end, God. The name of Jesus. Oh, somebody let the Holy Ghost help you tonight. Somebody let the Holy Ghost help you tonight with some new faith, some new confidence, new peace, new peace tonight that it's all going to be all right. This isn't the end of the story. This isn't the end of the story. The last chapter hasn't been written yet. It's not the final scene yet. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over because I haven't reached the expected end that God has for me. This story's not finished yet because I haven't gotten to that outcome yet. This isn't the way it's always going to be. Because I've got some assurance. I've got some promises from God that I haven't seen come to pass yet. And so I've got an expected end. Come on. Come on. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm not trying to be pushy. But there's some of you that haven't come to this altar yet that the Holy Ghost is trying to talk to you tonight. Some of you right now, things are so far from what you ever imagined or anticipated. They are so absolutely the opposite of what you thought would be the case. But yet tonight, the Holy Ghost... The Holy Ghost says to you tonight, there is an expected end. You hold my world in your hands. You hold my world. The enemy doesn't hold my world. The enemy's not in charge and control of my world. God, you've got my world in your hand. And you're working it all together for my good. This chapter of my life is not the end of it. This chapter in the story of my life is not the last chapter. I've got an expected end. Not only do I have an originator of my faith, but I've got a finisher. I've got a God that's going to bring to completion what he started. I've got a God that's going to finish what he started I'm safe I'm safe in your hands you've got my world God you've got my world in your hands it's not out of control it's in your control you hold my world in your hands you hold my world in your hands Ikaramoye yarabose yeti alalabahai. You hold my world in your hands. 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 You hold my world in your hands.
You hold my world in your hands, Lord. You hold my world in your hands, Lord. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. come for me. You've got an end for me. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you hold my world, Lord. You've got my world in your hands. Help me to keep my eyes on the guarantee of the outcome. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.
Aleluia Aleluia Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I know some are still praying. Please be respectful of them. If you're done praying and need to go, you're welcome to go. One more time, please. If you would, asking you to stop by, be a part of the dessert auction with our young people. I'm sure they'll try to get that underway in just a little bit as soon as most folks are able to get down there. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. My blessed Savior, I surrender. I surrender